Well, good morning, Fellowship family. How many of you battled the locusts to come to church today? We even had one right over here while it, it came in on someone or something like that. The great picture I remember this past Friday was on the job site over there. And there was a guy, one of the workmen was uh, grinding with this grinder, the, the concrete, getting ready for steel this next week. And I guess it matched the same frequency as the locust sound. So he was being, he was being hoarded. I mean, just swarmed by locusts. The person who was, you know, using the vibration compactor, you know, he was getting swarmed too. So just be careful. Just don't talk on your way to the car. And I think they'll leave you alone. They kind of are attracted to us for some reason. Hey, as we continue this series in the book of 1 Corinthians, I, I have a question for you because this is one that Paul is really going to challenge us from, from God's word this morning, and that is this. What do people find when they spend time with you? I find that when I'm intentional and I ask this question for, before I, I get in a conversation with someone or I meet with someone, it's, it's something. Jesus tends to come out of me when, I, uh, when I'm intentional with this question because that's what I want people to see in me. That's what I want people to find through my life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I also find that when I'm not intentional, I find out that a lot of me comes out. People find more of me in, in conversations. And you know what? I think we do share our lives as we share our go- share the gospel. But that's one of the things that uh, you've been given the gospel to do is to share it with others. And Paul's really going to challenge us, even our personal rights, even our personal freedoms, to step away from ourselves so people can other people can step into the gospel, to get over yourself so other people can receive the gospel, to lose yourself so that others might find the gospel. That's what I want to talk about today. And uh, Paul planted this church in Corinth. And it was a church that received the gospel. They had the calling of God. They responded to it. They began to grow. It had Jewish as well as Gentile believers. And the Jewish believers were free. They, they didn't have the law uh, and requirements, the religious requirements over them anymore. So they were living in freedom. And the Gentiles, they didn't have all the pagan practices that just enslaved their lives. So they had freedom, but they were using this freedom for a, law, a lawless life. And Paul was saying, no, 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 you've been bought with a price. You've been not just been purchased out of those things. You've been purchased into the family of God to be a blessing and to take the blessing that's been given to you and give it to everyone around you. They were fragmented, though. They didn't like authority. They were arrogant. They were prideful. They were selfish. And whatever the start that was easy quickly became a very difficult, fractured church that whose health, long-term health and vitality was threatened. So Paul was going to call them. Paul was going to call them to get over themselves to give the gospel to others. And let's join it right now. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 15. He says this. But I've made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than to have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity has laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a stewardship. 
What then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. I know we did several verses here, so you may have gotten lost in all of it. But but I want to just kind of highlight some of the things that stand out. And one of the things that stands out is that people found the gospel when they spent time with Paul. The word gospel is mentioned four times here. And what is the gospel? It's literally good news. It's good news. And here's the good news. It's good news amongst the backdrop of bad news. And the bad news is that we all fall short of the glory of God. That we have an issue with sin, of, of selfishness, of independence from God. It's a condition in our lives that breeds, you know, a, a fruit in our lives. And so we're called to, we're called when we come to God is to, is to trust Jesus because Jesus is the good news. We can't save ourselves. Only Jesus can. And so when you come to Christ, you're literally saying, I'm a sinner. I'm condemned to death. But thanks be to God for giving me Jesus. It becomes our good news. And it's a news that we want to share with each other, with others in our lives. In chapter 19, in verse 19, he says that because of the gospel in his life, he made himself a servant to all. In verse 20, he says to the Jews, I became a Jew. He became under the law. Verse 21, he says to those without the law, the Gentile world, he lived under Christ, but he reached people outside of his cultural background. In in verse 22, he says to the weak, I became weak. He stepped down from whatever platform, from his position, from his accomplishments, from his intelligence. He stepped down to the weak to win the weak. And, And then verse 23, he says, I become all things to all people so that in some way I might, I might save some. And it was his, based on his conviction in verse 16, he says literally, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And the reason he did this, verse 23 says, is I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So I want to talk to you right now and just develop the foundation for the blessing of the gospel in our lives. That's what God sees it as. And that's what we need to see it as, as the blessing, not the burden of God in our lives. And it's a blessing. The gospel is a blessing from God to you. It's the greatest gift we could ever receive. And it is priceless. It is priceless, but at a staggering cost of his only son to us. The gift of Jesus is the gift of perfection. We cannot be perfect, but Jesus was. And he lived the perfect life we could not live. The gift of Jesus is a gift of sacrifice. Even if we died, we could not satisfy the requirement of perfection in our lives with God. And so Jesus, on his death on the cross, 
paid the price, completely satisfied the wrath of God against our lives. And therefore, we have peace with God. The gift of Jesus is the gift of eternal life. That through the, through the resurrection of Jesus, we now have the power over sin and death in our lives. It's from God to you. Secondly, it's from each one of us to every one of us. Each one of us are called to the gospel. To call to recognize uh, who God is, who you are, and what he's done to, to love you and to save you. And when we find that, we, that, that, uh, that is a blessing in our lives from personally accepting the gospel. But you know what? It's not just for you. It's not to just dead end in your life. It's to be passed on to others. And, and that's why the gospel, no one out, is, is outside the reach of the gospel. Do you realize that? Do you realize we live in a day and age where enough people have trusted in Jesus? There are more Christians today. And, and the reality is, if we just took this to everyone, if we just took it, we now live in a day and age where the gospel could be advanced to the end of the world. If we just transferred it from our lives to others, we can finish the great commission to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. If we were just obedient, if we just followed what Paul is calling us into now, which is the heart of God. But it's also with an eternal reward. Look at verse 17. It says, I have a reward when I do this. See, people are eternal with Christ. They have heaven without Christ. They have hell. And the temporal life matters for eternity. We're called to advance this blessing, this blessing to others. And there's a reward when you receive it and, and, and have forgiveness and eternal life with God. And it's a reward when you give it. Now, some people like to think about eternal rewards as something that when they get to heaven, God's going to give them an extra golf course or an extra large house or uh, a really cool car or spaceship or something like that. But I, I tend to think that uh, whatever God gives you in heaven, you're going to be so overwhelmed by who he is and what he's doing. You're going to be so called into what you'll be doing for eternity, which will not be a bore, which will not be a bother. It will be a pleasure that I think whatever he gives you, you're just going to give back to him and, and, and worship him and give him glory because it's, heaven's not going to be about you. The constructs of heaven that humanity has built have usually been what makes your life comfortable. What's about you? How are you going to be happy there? Because you're not happy here. How are you going to have more, more things and more possessions than you have here? And everything that you read in the Bible is about that. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And it's about the glory of God. And it's about you finally meeting the one you were created to worship and living in that contentment, living in that fulfillment, living in the satisfaction of the pleasure of God in your life. It's an eternal reward. But there's also a present responsibility. Paul says that it's a necessity has laid this on me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. The gospel advances through the life of Paul. He took personal responsibility with it. Five times he says that I might win some. One time he says that I might save some. But you know what? It came as a cost. He had to lose himself so that others would find the gospel. 
Why did he do this? Look at verse 23. He says, I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. This blessing of the gift of God to each one for, of us, to everyone in this world and with an eternal reward, both to receive it and to give it, but also a present responsibility. It, it shows us that advancing the gospel through your life is not an option for an authentic follower of Jesus. You cannot make this all about you. You cannot make a relationship with Jesus all about you. And so therefore, because that's our natural tendency, especially in the United States, where we think that God exists to make our lives comfortable, that God, I accepted God because I want to be the happiest person on earth and I want all my wildest dreams to come true. Now, we've got to realize that's why Paul says over and over, you have been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. You've been taken away from those, but you've been brought into the family, into the kingdom of God to advance that kingdom on earth until Jesus returns. And so there's some things that Paul kind of lists here, and I've kind of observed three of them I want to share with you of what we must lose so that others might find the gospel when they spend time with us. First one that we need to do is we need to step away from our self-significance, our preoccupation with self-importance. I must lose self-significance so that others will find the substance of the gospel. Look what Paul says in verse 16. He says, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. See, the gospel gives us no bounds for boasting, he says. Self-significance, this obsession, this preoccupation of of uh, self-importance blinds us to the substance of the gospel. And what's the substance of the gospel? The greatness of God, right? The holiness of God. The humbling of our lives to the person and the work of Jesus. We all are called to step away from the things we are doing or the things we are done to realize the person who has already done whatever we're lacking with God. We're... We're called away from ourselves with the gospel to see the most important person of Jesus. And that means when we step away from this self-importance, we need to be people who say, I'm stepping away from my desire to be respected, my desire to be recognized, my desire to be rewarded for who I am, what I do, what I've done. And to even step away when things aren't fair, when they're not right, for you to get revenge, for you to start the personal vendetta because your pride has been wounded. We've got to be okay with the inequalities of life if we want to move on from that. It doesn't mean they won't hurt, but we're called away from protecting and promoting ourselves so that we can promote someone greater than ourselves. And that requires us all to live humbly. That means that we say that my needs, my desires, my wants, my dreams will not be more significant than the gospel. When we humble ourselves, we follow the pattern of Christ. That's how we do it. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus, being equal with God, did not take equality with God, something to be grasped. But he stepped down from heaven and he took on flesh and he was rejected and he humbled himself even to the point of death. Therefore, what did God do? 
God raised him up. God glorified the name of Jesus. God always lifts up when we step down from ourselves. And the gospel always advances when we step away from our preoccupation with self-importance. You see, the gospel was made possible because Jesus stepped down. He gave up himself. And we must make it possible for others to hear the gospel and see the gospel by humbling ourselves. Live humbly. Secondly, step away from self-righteousness. I must lose self-righteousness so that others would find the righteousness of God. Paul kind of summarizes this in one statement, verse 20. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. This is interesting. Here he says that he went to the Jewish people. Paul was Jewish, so he didn't become Jewish. He didn't convert to Judaism. He was Jewish. In 2 Corinthians, he says, if I could boast about anything, it would be my background. I, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I grew up. I studied. I was knowledgeable. I was intelligent. I was mature. And I was zealous. Matter of fact, he even had in his back pocket, he killed Christians because they were a threat to Judaism. And, and the reality here is Paul used that. Even though he came to Christ, he used that background to preach the gospel. There's another locust in here. How about that? That's right. Okay. <laughs> How about that? It makes it interesting, doesn't it? But what Judaism and what most religious structures in our world call people to is living rightly. That someone's saved by how you're living. And if the righteous life is, is, you know, that's the life that saves you. And so it's all in what you're doing and ignores who did something. And that is Jesus. And that's our problem, I think. You know, as I talk to people and just ask them a simple question. If you were to stand before God and he, should, he said to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? You know what the most common answer to that is? It's not Jesus. <laughs> it's because I'm not a bad person. Because I, I may not be perfect, but I'm not as bad as that one, okay? And so, or my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. So God kind of owes it to me. And, and the reality of the scriptures, if we read them, if you read the scriptures with an open mind, you'll find that the, the shout of the gospel is that we are all fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. We're, we're all, we're all uh, people who need to be saved by Jesus. And that's how Paul introduces Jesus in the book of Romans. He says, now the righteousness of God has come to us. That's Jesus. He's the righteousness of God for us. His life is what we need. So we must all come to the point where it's not about my faith, what I'm doing, what I've done. It's got to be more about what God has done in me and what God is doing in me. This is one of the greatest pushbacks I hear when I present the gospel to someone who does not live by faith. Is they go, you Christians, you, you just think you're the, the best people in the world. You think that you're so self-righteous, you're so arrogant to think that you have the truth. And, and the reality of that is, I know we can defend that a little bit, but the reality means is that for some way we have promoted ourselves as being worthy of this. And the reality of it is none of us deserve to be here. 
None of us do. Ground is level at the cross. We all need the work of Jesus. We all need the righteousness of God for us. When someone says, Christians are all hypocrites. Yes and no. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're all far from perfect. And that's why we all try to follow the one who is perfect. We may do that imperfectly, but that doesn't take away from the person who is perfect. And that's why we need to follow him. We need to step away from our good works so that others can hear the good news. And then finally, and then finally, I must lose my self-superiority so that others will find the supremacy of Christ. Look at verse 22. He says, to the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. Wow, this is so refreshing to me because in our culture that is constantly comparing and contrasting that in in, that is constantly focused on your personal uniqueness and your personal rights and being accepted as a person. Paul is saying, I've given up that so that the gospel can be clearer in my life. I'm not going to cloud the gospel with my little constraints and my even my cultural little copyrights that I put on it. Because Jesus was going to be more important than the obsession with him feeling better than other people. We live in a world that's constantly counting. Am I good enough? Are my kids good enough? Is my career good enough? We're constantly asking that question. And when we're superior to others, that's when we feel good. That's who we call our heroes. That's who we celebrate is the ones who get the triple crown. We love those little. That's so rare. We like the superior. But in the process It makes all the conversations and all of our relationships about what I'm doing, what I've done. I'm better than my kids are better than yours. We put them on our bumper stickers. We just we put it all over the place that mine are better than yours. And the gospel, the gospel has no competition in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. It wins all the time. It's the greatest The supremacy of Christ in my life has to be greater than any other thing. One of my favorite comedians is uh, Brian Reagan, and he has an act where he talks about the me monster. And the me me monster is having the conversation like, have you ever gone to Hawaii? I I went to Hawaii once. Well, I've gone three times. Which islands did you go to? So whenever you're talking with the me monster, you're always feeling inferior. Because everything you do, they're topping. Do you know the person in your life right now? If you don't know that person, it might be you. (laughs) So be careful on this one. But Brian Reagan says, you're having conversations with the me monster. And then he, he just would like to be, his first recording was, I walked on the moon. And it's all based on the, on the me monster because when the me monster is talking, the person who will really silence the me monster is the one who can go, I walked on the moon. Because no one can beat that one. We've got to realize that a walk with Jesus has got to be superior in our lives. It's about what he's doing. It's about what he's all about, not what we've done. And, and you know what? When we can step away and we can reach more for who we'll talk to, who we'll be nice to, who we'll be compassionate with, Boy, the gospel can just be unleashed through our lives. 
See, people are drained. I'm drained. You're drained by people who are constantly comparing and contrasting. Always motivated by works. Always motivated by capabilities or accomplishments, opportunities or rewards to come out on top. Always asking the question, what am I doing? How's my child doing? How's my career doing? But failing to ask the most important question, what is Christ doing here? It's amazing the power, the negative power of comparing and competition. And what that will do in any culture they exist. It doesn't have to be in the church. It can be at your school. It can be at, at your work. It could be in your neighborhood. But the reality is, is when we view ourselves superior to others, when it's all about us, it can't be about Jesus. And that will prevent you from sharing the gospel. So if you're going to advance the gospel like Paul, you have to learn to sacrifice daily and live in response to the supremacy of Christ in your lives. And it's exactly exactly what Paul finishes this conversation with. Look at verse 24. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. There's that reward again. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. See, the prize is better than the loss here. Paul realized it was worth losing anything, anything that he attached to the gospel. It was worth losing it so that Jesus could be clearer through his life. He he was passionately concerned about people finding Jesus when they spent time with him. And he calls us into that community. Where did he get that thought? Could it be Jesus actually gave him that? Look at, look with me in Mark chapter eight. Mark chapter 834, Jesus said, calling a crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. It's the pattern of Christ. We don't just follow Paul. We follow Jesus when we lose ourselves. So others will find the gospel. That was then. That was way back in Corinth. Who is doing this today? A lot of people are doing this today. Because it's a, it's just an equation for ministry. That when you lose yourself, when you lose yourself to Christ, people find him in your life. Here's one who I want to celebrate this morning. Her name is Hannah Manry. Hannah, along with two others, Josiah and Jenna, uh, left our uh, Topeka just this in this past year to partner with us in India. They realized that it was worth, Jesus was worth losing self-significance, self-righteousness, self-superiority. And they embraced humility, graciousness, and sacrifice. Hannah received the person in the work of Jesus in college at K-State through an organization called STUMO. Stumo discipled her and she shared the gospel locally in her relationships, in her family, nationally, and now globally. Literally, as I talk to Hannah, I get this sense from her. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And it's a necessity in her life 
not an accessory. And as a result, that young woman with her came to Christ this past year. Amazing. If Hannah wouldn't have lost herself, this woman would have never found Jesus. But we also have local heroes, right? Because whenever you lose yourself in the substance, the righteousness and the supremacy of Christ, others find the gospel. Just this past two weeks, we've been having Super Kids Super Camp, which has been a mass chaotic event in this church. This church smells differently when roughly 500 kids are in it. But you know what? 220 middle school and high school students lost their vacation, which they just started, so that children could find Jesus through time spending with them. You know, they had to do that. They stepped away from themselves. Every week, you check your kids into the nursery or check your kids into the mountain. Someone's lost a right. Someone's lost an opportunity in their own personal lives so your kids can find and grow in a life with Jesus. That's how the gospel goes. It goes on the backs of those and and advances on the backs of those who sacrificed for it. I think about all those who are small group leaders, if you are one. You give up a night. You give up your home sometimes to have people come over it to find Jesus. I've had people in my small group who started not knowing Jesus but found it because they could sit down and ask questions. could sit down and start articulating their faith together. People who thought they could work their way to God who now are trusting in the work of Jesus in their lives. I see it at Love Topeka. I see it right now um, with 40 of our students and leaders who left yesterday on this bus. Here's a picture of them going to Camp Barnabas, which is in the middle of nowhere, Missouri. But on that camp, on that camp, they reach out and they lose themselves to help students of special needs. My one of my two of my sons are on that bus right now. Jack is an adult leader and then Nathan way in the back. They're still in the boy girl section on the bus. Look out. But Nathan's first year, he's going to be a barnstormer, which is learning how to serve others. And I'll tell you, just raising three boys, nothing has been more powerful in our family, in their lives than for them to lose themselves so that others might find the gospel. So we teach him that. That's how we do that. I know some of us parents want to give our kids kids things we didn't have so that they always get and they always get. And then as a result, they're the most important thing. How can they ever get the gospel beyond themselves when it's all about them? That's why our youth program will never just be about what can we do for you? It's always going to be as you're growing in Christ. How are you serving? How are you losing yourself so others will find? That's how faith sticks in all of us. That's how faith grows in all of us. That's how the supremacy of Jesus rises when we lose ourselves to make him greater. And that's how the gospel advances. It's been true for from the ancient of time since Jesus first said, go Go and make disciples of all nations. The gospel advances, but we've got to lose ourselves to make that happen. Can I ask you a question? What do people find when they spend time with you? Paul says Jesus. That's what he he does. He wants to share the blessing of Jesus with everyone. So what do you need to lose in your own life? so that others might find the gospel. 
I've, asked to, I've had to ask myself that question as I was going about this and preparing for this. And I, I remember some conversations I had with my wife, Cheryl, about when we're spending time with couples. Because we've had times when we've got back in the car and it's gotten quiet. And I've looked at her and she looked at me and go, we talked the whole time. We've kind of been about us. And so it's allowed us not just to not talk, but to, to be more open, to be more vulnerable, and to call that out of other people so that people can see Jesus in us, to be more intentional with our lives. What is it going to take for you? What, what do you need to lose? What obsession of being respected, of accomplishing, of performance, of seeing yourself as superior to others? Stop propping yourself up so that Jesus can fill that place. What is it going to take? What do you need to lose? I just want to ask you that question. Does God call anything after reading this passage to your mind that you need to lose or step away from so that Jesus can become greater? Just pause right now. Bow your head and talk to God. Whatever he's calling in your life to lose, just say, okay, I lose it. I want Jesus to become greater there. Heavenly Father, we as your church let go of our passion to be liked, our our obsession to be respected and admired so that others would find Jesus. Forgive us for comparing ourselves to others. Lead us away from feeling self-righteous or judging others and lead us into your humility, your grace and your honor and glory. May you be the single most significant relationship in our lives. May we lift up your work, not our own. May we be people who are willingly and sacrificially give our lives to advance the gospel in our generation. And may Jesus get all the glory. And may others share in the blessing you have given us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.